Hi, this is Pastor Bob, and welcome today to Student of the Word. We're going to be talking about, from the Old Testament, the sacrifice that Cain and Abel brought before the Lord. One was the sacrifice of an animal. One was the sacrifice of all the hard work that Cain had done, bringing his fruits and vegetables to God. We're going to find out which one pleased God more, which one closer represents Jesus Christ and his innocence and the shedding of blood. That's where remission comes from. Excited? So am I. Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian. Hello, welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. Why don't you turn with me to John chapter 5 today. We're going to talk about a more excellent sacrifice and take a look at Cain and Abel and their sacrifices of the Old Testament. And to be honest with you, what the Old Testament is given for, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, they're given to us for examples. Jesus is not seen as himself, the human being in the Old Testament. He is seen in picture types. We're going to see that today. But he's also seen probably the closest to being a human being. He appeared as the uh, angel of the Lord, appeared many times as the angel of the Lord, but he appeared as an angel, but people fell down and worshiped him of which any other angel you cannot do that with. And so again, in the Old Testament, we see types and shadows of the Lord Jesus Christ. My admonition always to Christians is don't start studying the Old Testament. Study the New Testament, then go back and study the Old Testament in the light of the New. This is what God has done. In essence, if you go back to the Old Testament, the Bible calls those types and shadows. Shadows really are formed by light hitting an object, but so the closer you get to, say, a tree that's making a shadow, the closer you get to the tree, the closer you get to the light. Once you get there, you see the light. The light shines from the New Testament back to the Old, and in the Old Testament, you see the shadows of the trees, the shadow of redemption, the shadow of the Lord Jesus Christ, the shadow of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. All the different things are seen in shadows of the Old Testament, but don't get past it. The shadows are intricate, very well laid out, and you see types of Jesus Christ in everything, types of the sacrifice he made on the cross, and that's what we're going to see today when we take a look at the two offerings that Cain and Abel uh, presented to the Lord. This is found in my book on uh, types of Jesus Christ in Genesis. It's called Jesus in Genesis. And the book itself uh, is an intricate look at the book of Genesis and taking it, breaking it down so you can see Jesus in so much. And if it's that way in Genesis, then think of what's like in Exodus, Leviticus, all the other books of which the tabernacle is there, all those different things. And ties in, even that ties in with Hebrews chapter nine, especially. Hebrews chapter nine talks about the Old Testament and the tabernacle in the wilderness, and then also the temple in the time of King Solomon. So that's what it shows. Now we're gonna take a look today at, at Cain and Abel, the first children of Adam and Eve. We're gonna see that even though they were brothers, they were quite different in their approach toward God and in their perception of God. John chapter five and verse 39 tells us in that verse of scripture, it says, Search the scriptures, for in them you know you have eternal life, and they are those which testify of thee. Notice this, you can find salvation in the Old Testament. They teach about the Lord Jesus Christ and the plan of redemption. We find throughout the Old Testament that people were saved by simple faith 
as they are today. And this is what God is testifying to telling us of and testified of in the Old Testament as well as the New. So he says there, Jesus says, search the scriptures in them, you know, you have eternal life. They testify or they speak about me. So Jesus Christ is the object of the Old Testament. In fact, we're told in the New Testament, he was the rock that followed the children of Israel. That means also he was the fire by night. He was the cloud by day. He was all those different types and shadows there seen throughout the word of God. He was the actually the uh, one that spoke out of the burning bush to Moses and gave him the command on going to deliver the children of Israel. So we have that again throughout the Old Testament. And today we're going to take a look at it. In Genesis chapter three and verse seven, after Adam and Eve had sinned, they sewed fig leaves together and they covered themselves. And this is a type of what they saw that they needed to do to somehow undo what they had just done. And when they discovered they were now naked, the first thing they thought of with their human brain was how can we cover this up? So Genesis 3, 7, they sewed fig leaves together and covered themselves, but fig leaves are temporary. A type of the work of the flesh, anything you can do to try to save yourself is temporary. I'll give an offering in the church. Well, that's fine for the moment, but that doesn't, that doesn't bring you back into fellowship with God, nor for a sinner does that save them. It's faith in Jesus Christ, something that is eternal. Money is temporary, but God and the plan of redemption is eternal. In Genesis 3:21, later in that same chapter, Adam and Eve, the Lord made coats of skins for them and clothed them. So God took something that would last for a long, long time. In comparison, fig leaves last for a few days and then they deteriorate, but coats of skin will last you mostly probably throughout your own lifetime. They're not eternal, but they're a type of what is eternal and that it took the shedding of blood and then the animal skins to clothe them and we have the shed blood of Jesus Christ and we are clothed with his righteousness, which is eternal. So the same thing is now seen, but Adam and Eve had fig leaves and they had coats uh, of animals. But now in chapter four, the next chapter, uh, Cain brought the fruit he planted from the ground and had harvested and Abel brought a sheep that he had only watched over. So when they came together, of course, Cain's first thought is, well, I did a lot more work than you did. I mean, all you had to do is make sure these sheep had some place to eat and, you know, had some water available. That's all you had to do. And the rest of the time, you just sit around, lean up against a tree and watch them. But I had to cultivate, I had to plant, I had to fertilize, I had to harvest this, I had to do all these things. And so I did a whole lot more work for what I brought. And probably Adam and Eve thought the same thing. I mean, they they got, uh, you know, covered themselves with fig leaves, they had to cut down branches and get the fig leaves off. But they didn't have to do anything with the coats of animals. God brought it to them. The Lord made coats of skins. And God was simply showing them the difference between their human works and the grace of God. And so again, in Genesis chapter four, with these two, again, presented there in verses one through 16, Cain again brought his own human works. That would be like the fig leaves. And he had to sew them together. Uh, and Cain brought in what he had planted in the ground and cultivated and harvested. But Abel again brought a sheep. He'd only watched over the sheep, made sure they had all these things. And this is what made Cain upset. The connection between chapters three and four, we have the beginning of sin and the progress of sin. And then finally the fruits, the outward visible things of sin. Next, Next of all, we have the fact that sin is in the individual and sin was in the family. Not only did they commit sin, 
And then what they offered to God was a sin. It was because of a result of what was inside of them. And the sin was against God. And then the sin was against fellow men. The lesson of Cain and Abel comes back to this. Why were there two sons? Well, there were two sons because they represent the two answers to the gospel. And that is yes and no. It was also seen with the two thieves that were on the cross. Children are not naturally saved when they come from a Christian family. Both Cain and Abel had to receive salvation for themselves. Now, what I'm saying here is people have often debated, you know, were Adam and Eve saved? The answer, I believe, is yes, because they understood what God said and probably passed down to their own two sons, Cain and Abel, the results of what God had showed them. And then they showed them uh, those things to their sons. And to Cain and Abel, they showed that what God is looking for is something offered with blood, with Without the blood, there is no remission of sin. And so what Cain brought before the Lord was a bloodless sacrifice. What Abel brought before the Lord was something that was good. Abel brought of the fruit, uh, Cain brought of the fruit of the ground, and Abel brought the things from God that, uh, again, God had created and watched over them only. Abel brought a sheep. He had only watched over. Now, when Cain and Abel came before the Lord, they're going to find out very quickly that God was pleased with one and displeased with the other. It kind of comes back to the two approaches to salvation. I mean, most people might, you know, you'll talk about Jesus Christ and they believe in him as a human being. But there comes a time when God says, that's not going to give you eternal life. You have to see past the fact that he came and he literally walked the earth and yes, he was here. And so one recognizes him as the son of God and so comes before God and says, Father, I place my trust in you. I place my trust in Jesus Christ. I now accept him as the means of salvation and he was slain for me so I can have remission of sins. That's the person that gets born again. And there we see Abel. Abel did this, but Cain did not. So Abel offered a sacrifice to God of an animal, and this is what God was looking for. And on top of that was an innocent animal. When you talk about a sheep, you're talking about something, some animal that's not, you know, rebellious or things like that. I know they got some streaks in them, and every time I mention this, I usually get some kind of response from somebody who's watched over sheep and says, no, they can be a problem, believe me. But again, what Cain brought before the Lord was, again, the works of his own hands. And this is another individual that comes before God and says, I'm going to give you all offerings. I'm an, I've attended church. I've helped in the children's ministry, all these different things. And God simply saying, no, I want you to do these things, but I want you to understand that to come into heaven and receive eternal life, you need to come before me. And just like Adam and Eve represented the fact that God had to have the slaying of an animal and God slew the animal, just like on the cross, God is the one that Jesus Christ was offered as the sacrifice before. And we have the set that in the setting of the offerings, there must have been a place where God was worshiped. They came to this place. It might've been the place where God slew the animals. And again, this is what Cain and Abel came before the Lord with. And this is probably maybe something that Adam and Eve had taught their children. This is why I believe Adam and Eve became believers. They saw it represented in front of them with the slaying of an animal. They accepted the Lord and they passed this on to their two sons, Cain and Abel. In verse 16, it was the place of God's tangible presence. And this is where they went. Verse four, the fat was there. And so it had to be offered on an altar. 
So this must have been the place that was appointed by God for worship. In verse three, it says at the end of the days, that's the weekend. This is what the Hebrew was, so it was on the Sabbath. In verse three, again, as it says, it was the end of the day, the time of worship was a day dedicated to God's grace. And this is what it was. We might look at it today as Sunday coming to church. And in the Old Testament, they looked at it as Saturday, the day for them to rest and understand that this was a day dedicated to God and his grace, where on that day, man did not work, God did the work. On the day of salvation, God's done all the work, we simply receive it. So they must have also known a means of worship for Adam and Eve were taught by God then apparently taught Cain and Abel how to offer a sacrifice and told them there's a place it should be offered, there's a time it should be offered, a means it should be offered, and then what to offer before the Lord. How did Cain and Abel know about sacrifices? Abel didn't bring an animal sacrifice by sheer luck. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse four says this, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice. If faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Abel must have known to bring a sacrifice by what the Lord had taught his parents, his parents had taught to him, or perhaps even what God had showed to Abel himself. So by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying by his gifts and by it being dead yet speaks. So today, Abel still speaks to us and his sacrifice speaks to us, but Cain also, by offering the fruit of the ground, speaks to us, this is not what God wanted. God wanted something with blood in it, for without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When we come back from the break, we're gonna talk about the offering that Cain brought, and then we'll talk about the offering that Abel brought. Throughout the book of Genesis, we find Jesus revealed in every story. As Bob Yandian teaches through the book of Genesis, you will see Jesus through the lives of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, Enoch, Noah, and Nimrod. Messages include Our Family Tree, The Two Trees, Satan Enters, Reverse the Curse, The More Excellent Sacrifice, The Testimony of Enoch, Knowing Noah, The Ark of Salvation, Noah, the second Adam, Nimrod, and Antichrist. To order Jesus in Genesis, go to bobyandian.com. God did not create you to be a slave to the world's economic system or to barely scrape by living from paycheck to paycheck. He made you to live in divine prosperity with more than you need so you could help whenever and wherever there is a need. With From Just Enough to Overflowing, Pastor Bob Yandian shows you how to climb out of getting by with just enough and begin living in God's abundance. More than just another book on the importance of giving, this powerful book teaches life-changing principles that will help you eliminate anything that hinders you from obeying God's Word. Bring life to your offerings, open the gate to prosperity, apply the laws of seed time and harvest, and step into overflowing abundance. To order from Just Enough to Overflowing, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. 
If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. Some of you are joining today for the first time. We're glad to have you here. I'm glad to have you here. I trust you're enjoying the Word of God, and this is what I do every day. I just simply teach the Word of God. I teach many subjects. I pastored for 33 years, and during that time, before that time, I taught at Bible schools. I've been teaching at a Bible school, too, also through the time I pastored, and now today I still continue to do this. I do ministers' conferences also, but I can teach about any subject, and that's because through all these years, I've studied different subjects, and I believe to be an effective pastor, you need to teach the different subjects from the Word of God, from marriage and family to you know your daily walk with God, the means of salvation, and then also verse by verse. And we're taking up today character studies of Cain and Abel. And if you're joining today for the first day, glad to have you here. If you're joining after some other times and and uh, you've now watched for the numberth time, I don't know how many times you've watched, but again, thank you for joining us. But also thank you for those who have been taking it seriously and now you want to contribute to it. You're not just contributing to this broadcast to keep it on the air here. You're contributing to other people who have yet to see it. As we go on other stations, as we increase the number of books or recordings or whatever we do and send them out, you become a part of it. Because I can tell you this, I've got the call of God on me. I contribute to this ministry. But the other part is this, and that is you. You do the part I can't do. And God works through you. So I listen, my praise goes to God, but my praise also goes to the partners who have given to me. And if you listen, if you've sent a one-time offering, thank you for doing that because it contributed in with the rest of it. But if you're a partner also, thank you, thank you, thank you for continuing to give. That thing about you've got a commitment on your heart to give into this ministry, I so appreciate it. If you would like to become a partner with me, then go to my website, bobbyandian.com. You'll find a place there where you can become a partner. And thank you in advance for simply being a member with me, joining together with me first in your heart and then next of all in your giving. Let's take a look at the offering of Cain. Again, what the word of God says is that he came before the Lord, but what he offered was bloodless because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission or forgiveness of sins. This is told us in Hebrews chapter nine and verse 22. Again, that listen, probably if he offered fruits and he offered vegetables, it was good looking stuff, you know, and uh, he probably grew some great, great uh, vegetables. And then also probably from the trees, he grabbed some apples and different things, but he probably had an orchard that was great. He had a farm that was great and he brought the best. And again, it didn't say here he brought the worst. He probably did what the Old Testament later on described because it's a type of Jesus as searching for the first fruit, the very finest that was there. And he brought the finest. He was probably so proud of himself when he came. And you can see probably why he was so depressed and angry when God would receive it. God didn't pat him on the back. But again, this is gonna happen in eternity. People come and they will tell the highlights of their life. They'll talk about the finest times in their life. They'll talk about the things they're the most proud of. They're not gonna talk about the time when they missed church for a few weeks. No, they're gonna talk about the time that for months they were so faithful, even took a class and they helped. In other words, they're bringing the first fruits of their own works. And God's going to say, no, he's going to say, you know, you never accepted me as Lord and Savior because without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. 
And literally what, what kind of grates against the nerves of most people is the fact you had nothing to do with it. With Adam and Eve, they're the ones who went and collected the leaves and put around them. But when it came to the uh, blood of an animal, God slew the animal. God brought the skins to them and, and put it around them. He clothed them. So they just watched while this was going on. You had nothing to do with the cross. You had nothing to do with the sinless life of Jesus Christ. He came and literally took all of God's commands and kept them perfectly one after another, then went to the cross and died for us. And all we have to do is if somebody's holding a coat out in front of you, what do you do? You just stick your arms out like this and they put the coat on you. That's what Adam and Eve had to do. Nothing, just hold out their hands. In other words, you receive it and God's the one who clothes you with righteousness. So when it came to, again, Cain, he offered of his own hands, his own works. He brought the fruit of the ground. He was no better than Adam and Eve with their leaves. He came with religion, with human works. And that is a literally, if you come with your religion, you come with human works, it's just a curse trying to cover a curse. Because the human works, as far as God is concerned, if you bring it to him, it is a curse. If you eat your fruit, if you eat your vegetables, that's fine. That's why they're here. But they're not means, they are not a means of receiving eternal life. And that's why, again, your church attendance if you're a Christian, can bring rewards in heaven. But if you're a sinner, it will never allow you into heaven. There's only one thing that will take you into heaven, and that's faith in Jesus Christ. And the verse of scripture that we've been looking at here in the book of Genesis, in verse five, it says this, unto Cain and his offering, God had no respect. Whatever you come before the Lord of your own works, my church attendance, how great I've been, I've never had it come into adultery, I've been faithful on the job, I haven't stolen from them. You could go down the list of things, but none of those will save you. Hell will be filled with good people and bad people, and heaven will be filled with good people and bad people. As far as we know, nice people and not so nice people, the only difference is those who are in heaven accepted Jesus Christ they accepted the sacrifice, the blood of Jesus, and they received eternal life. Those who go to hell rejected Jesus Christ. In fact, you're probably gonna find in heaven people that were not as nice as some of the people that ended up in hell, and some of the people in heaven were really bad people, and some of the people, again, that go to hell are really great people as far as people we knew in life and all this, but the common denominator between heaven and hell is not niceness or meanness, not goodness or being evil or bad. The difference is for those names not found written in the book of life, they were cast into the lake of fire. That means names that are written in the book of life, you accept Jesus Christ, they will be found in heaven. So what happened with the offering of Abel? He brought the first things of the flock. He brought the fat which God had commanded be done. And because blood was shed, there was remission of sins. It wasn't the blood of the animal that forgave the sins, it's what the blood stood for. And the blood stood for the fact that Jesus Christ would come and like this innocent animal, Jesus would be an innocent human being, the only pure innocent human being ever existed was Jesus Christ and he came and and voluntarily gave himself for the remission of our sins. And it says in verse four, that the Lord had respect to Abel and to his offering. Why? Because he looked at the intent of the heart, but he also looked at what he offered being a type of Jesus Christ. Jesus cannot be seen in vegetables. He can't be seen in the fruit that hangs off the tree, but he can be seen in the animal and the innocent blood that was shed. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse four says this, in speaking of the difference between the two, 
Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice and Cain brought human good. In other words, Cain brought human good, but Abel brought divine good. Human good simply means what he did was good. People would look at those fruit and say, man, thank you for all the hard work you put into it. But with Abel, he brought an animal. And they'd probably say, well, you know, nice animal, but basically the mother produced it. The, you know, the thing began to grow. It drank of its mother's milk and then it started eating grass on the ground. And all you had to do was provide a place for it to be and make sure there was some water beside it. And you can lean back against a tree and watch what's going on. Welcome to the plan of salvation. Jesus Christ was put in this earth supernaturally by God the Father. He grew up without sin. He went to the cross of his own free will. He died of his own free will, and we just stood back and watched. And then whenever the whole thing was over, God says, what are you going to do with Jesus Christ? What must I do to be saved? The Philippian jailer cried out in anguish, what do I need to do to be saved? And Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Cain had good intentions. He tried very hard. God had made the best offer of his son. God had made an offer. You have made an offer. How can your offer be better than God's? God says, you want eternal life? Here's what I offer to you, Jesus Christ. You say, well, I want eternal life, but here's what I'm going to offer, all the good things I've done all my life. And God simply says that all your righteousnesses, all the things you've done are as filthy rags in his sight. What was Cain's reaction in verse five? Cain was angry and his countenance fell. I mean, he was first came up there with expectations of God going, whoa, Cain, this is great. Look at all these fruits and vegetables. You know how long, oh man, I know how long it took. And thank you for cultivating the ground and thank you for stopping all the weeds and thank you for stopping all you know, the insects that want to eat of it. You have done a great job. But God says, no, this isn't what I wanted. And Cain was angry and his countenance fell. He thought God would love his offering. What was truly in his heart came out at God's rejection. What was really in his heart was anger. Now he wasn't just angry at God. He was angry at his brother for bringing something better than his. I like what God told him in verse seven. He says, if you do well, speaking to Cain, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you not do well, sin is waiting at the door. What God said, you still have a chance to turn this around. Now, because your brother has brought what I want, you can do it. You can go out and you can bring an animal in. There's plenty of them out there and bring it before me, offer it as a sacrifice and you'll be accepted too. In other words, if you come to God and you're not accepted and ministers tell you, listen, it's not the good things you have done. It's not the fact that you own a business. It's not the fact you've given great amounts to the church of financial offerings. All those things are good, but they're human good. And you're trying to get to heaven on that. It won't work. You ought to wake up. You say, well, do I still have time? If you're alive, you still have time. You can run out and come back with what God is looking for. And that's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith in the finished work of the Lamb of God, which is Jesus Christ. That's why God told him, if you do well, you will, will you not be accepted? The answer is yes, you will. You see what your brother did, learn from that and go out and do the same thing. We, as those who have learned the right way, need to be out there witnessing to those, telling them of the right way. It's not of all the good things you have done. It's by accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But sadly, many of us will receive the same look on the face, the same anger that came from Cain 
from others who think, no, all the good things I have done is gonna get me to heaven. But thank God for those who will listen. Even those who have been maybe morally good and all that will listen say, you mean all this I've done will not get me into heaven? No, because you can't be as good as Jesus. Your blood will never be as good as his. You need to accept his sacrifice. And if they do, they'll have eternal life. My question is this to you. Have you accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior? Or are you looking at your church background or your moral background or the good things you've done for other people, the help you've been. Listen, that's wonderful, but not in God's eyes for eternal life. It's wonderful in people's eyes, but God's simply saying that's not gonna get you to heaven. I'm glad you have that kind of heart, but why don't you turn your heart toward the Lord Jesus Christ and accept him as the sacrifice that was offered for you. And if you'll do that, you'll have eternal life. God will bless you as much as he did Abel. God will will talk about you as much as he did Abel because you saw the means of eternal life was by accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. In fact, why don't you pray this prayer with me? Just join in with me. And as I say it, you take the same words and say it inside of yourself. Say, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. And I open up my heart and I receive Jesus as the Lord and Savior of my life. Father, I might have been good and I might have been bad, but that's not the point. I accept Jesus Christ because he died for me. And putting my faith in him, I now have eternal life. I've messed up my life. Father, I want to be right, so I turn myself over to you. You become the captain, the director, the one that steers my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'll see you in heaven. In fact, would you write me? Let me know you accepted Jesus Christ today from this broadcast. See you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. Join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.